Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Like an... Many years before my first business trip this year, my first business activity in 2022 was attending the CES at Las Vegas, Nevada. The show in 2021 was canceled. It was fully digital. was nothing happening and, uh, due to the pandemic in Nevada. And this year again, um, they... Uh, made a show and it was a very different show different from any other show and um, yeah this this is what i will talk about in this episode of the human technology podcast i booked my travels all the flights and the hotels and the rental car late september when uh, the overall situation was pretty optimistic everybody believed yes it will be possible we will have a show in las vegas and it will happen and Then uh, mid-late December, Omicron came up. And with that, uh, the cancellations of some of the big players and many of the smaller players started. So companies like Amazon uh, canceled it, GM canceled it, Connie Nandel canceled it. Uh, Mercedes made a short-term uh, stop. And yeah, so many of them just didn't show up, Amazon as well. Uh, others reduced their presence in Las Vegas. At, uh, I made the decision to travel, though, and uh, I'm super happy to summarize this uh, already. It it is it, it was a great decision to do this. It was a good decision to do this, and yeah, I I flew into Los Angeles as I usually do, and uh, pick up my rental car there. Then um, I have a beer and a burger, and I sleep there and wake up at. Local time, 2 a.m. in the morning, heavily under jet lag, and get into the car and start driving to Las Vegas, which uh, is uh, at that early morning time a four or four and a half hours uh, trip. And um, I arrived, uh, yeah, at around 6:37 at, at Las Vegas. Picked up my batch, and the batch pickup uh, is usually a pretty exhausting and, and time-consuming experience when you when you go to the CES. This year it was totally different. They um, had um, special pickup places for people that uh, did not have a U.S. American vaccination vaccination uh, proof, and so me with my German Corona app. Um, I went to the Mandalay Bay and I expected huge lines there, tons of people waiting to, to pick up uh, first their 
um, okay from from the health point of view, and then uh, second their their um, conference badge. When I arrived there, there was a huge infrastructure, everything prepared for hundreds of people coming in, and there were only a handful when when I came there. So showing my my Corona QR code, um, receiving a, uh, a self testing kit. And my batch was an exercise of clearly under 10 minutes at that time. So usually that eats up an hour uh, very, very uh, often. So first indicator that uh, this CES may be very different from, from all the years before. The number of exhibitors dropped from 4,500 in 2020 to... Uh, 2,200, more than more than 50% uh, this year. The visitors dropped from 170,000 to 40,000. Uh, so it is less than a quarter of the normal attendance that uh, the CES had uh, this year. And this, of course, has, has consequences. So the, the most obvious one is that there was a lot of empty room in the exhibition halls. They uh, for for those companies that did uh, didn't show up that cancelled short term they, they just didn't do anything I mean there was just an open space where the booth was uh, was uh, supposed to be and um, some of them were filled with sofas and and uh, chairs and uh, stand up tables and, and bar chairs so that you could sit there and meet people very convenient. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of empty room there. That, that was the most obvious um, impression that you had. The, the situation with a lower number of exhibitors and, and, and visitors has a couple of, of clear advantages. It's this additional space that you have. It is the additional time that the people at the booths had. So I had the chance at, at some of the booths really to stand there and to talk and to get really deeply into discussions, to learn from these companies, to yeah, to 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 to, to learn what what they do, what their ideas are. Because sometimes twenty minutes, thirty minutes was no problem to to grab some of um, the high level people that were on the booth and to discuss with them. Plus the fact that um, the low attendance clearly reduced uh, the waiting lines. So in front of uh, footstalls and uh, at the monorail, the public transport system at Las Vegas, no waiting lines. Uh, the safety security controls were before getting onto onto the, the exhibition uh, center, into this epic, epic exhibition center. There was zero waiting time. So all that uh, with a big advantage and totally different uh, to all the years before. Disadvantages, of course, a lower number of people means uh, less accidental meetings somewhere in the hallways. In all, all the past years, when I walked through the automotive hall, somebody tapped on my shoulder and said, Hey, Peter, how are you? And, and what's going on? And you had a good, good, quick chat there, or maybe even a longer one. You updated each other's, and that happened at least 10, 12 times a day. And this didn't happen a single time this year. I mean, I had my, my scheduled meetings. Uh, I scheduled quite a few up front, and, and they all took place. And everybody was comparably relaxed, again, an advantage. But this disadvantage of um, not meeting, running into people and not, not talking to them, um, th that was a huge one. 
And uh, of course, uh, since many exhibitors, um, including some of the real big players, were missing, a lot of technology was missing, a lot of the attention and the show and, and the attention, all of that was missing. And so, yeah, it had advantages, but uh, also clear disadvantages that uh, the attendance was so low and that many, many of the exhibitors dropped out. There were two more innovations compared to 2020 that uh, were not related to the uh, pandemic. The first one was the opening of the West Hall. It was supposed to be introduced last year, um, where the show did not happen. So uh, it was the first time the West Hall was used for the uh, CES. It On maps, it looks like it is really adjacent to, to the North Hall, so just a short walk. In reality, it takes um, uh, 15, 20 minutes at least to walk between uh, these two halls. Um, it's a new hall. It looks like the old ones. I mean, I'm not an expert in architecture from my point of view. Um, they could have done a better job, make it look a little more convenient. But I believe uh, since it's a modern uh, building, uh, it will be much more convenient for the exhibitors. And yeah, it is okay. You can, uh, it is an okay um, US level um, exhibition place that they built there. And um, they, they uh, before, before opening the West Hall, um, there were three big halls. That was the North Hall, the Central Hall, and uh, the South Hall. And uh, then they used uh, some exhibition space in the Westgate Hotel, which is directly located at the convention center. Plus a few more uh, in other hotels, but those are the main ones. And this year the South Hall was closed. It was not open at all. And uh, the Central Hall contained the usual suspects, uh, companies from consumer electronics and gaming, the North Hall was the old automotive hall, which was occupied now with health, Internet of Things, smart cities, mobility uh, exhibitors. And all the automotive, um, the first years, the second years, the service companies, the startups, everybody came to the new West Hall. Restructuring that event, um, I mean, it had been uh, like this for, for many, many years. Um, we will get used to the, the, the new locations, but um, yeah, the, the West Hall is open and uh, it, it can be used. The other innovation is um, the Tesla tunnels. So they, they built a system of tunnels with, I don't know, 10 feet uh, diameter and uh, where, where cars can drive in, and those were Tesla cars, Tesla electric cars. And this tunnel system connects the West Hall with the Central Plaza and the South Hall. So you were able to, to jump onto one of these Tesla cars, and, and then there was a super friendly driver in there, and he or she took you through this tunnel system to one of the other locations. So they have these uh, three stops, West Hall, Central Plaza, and, and South Hall. And I used it a couple of times, found it extremely convenient, particularly later in the day uh, when, when you have been walking already quite a few miles on in, in the convention center and uh, have been standing in meetings. And yeah, so it was, it was very nice to be driven um, large portions of, of your way, uh, even back to the, to the um, monorail station to drive back to the hotel. So all, all of that was um, a very positive experience. 
With the 40,000 attendees, uh, was no problem. There were zero waiting lines. I can foresee that if we go back to, to the full crowd one day, we will probably face uh, longer waiting lines there. But again, crazy idea, well done, and, and extremely useful. Okay, so, so let, let's talk about um, some, of, some of the trends out there. We, I mean, talking about automotive trends or trends of the automotive industry would be totally ridiculous uh, with uh, many of the major players not being there. But at the end of the day, I collected a couple of trends and I will talk about them here. And at the end of the day, um, we will have um, an overview of what was shown there, but don't take it as a complete automotive trend for the next years, which which was simply not possible to collect this year at, at the show. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, new vehicle manufacturers. We, we have a good number of new OEMs out there. And since electromobility, electric drivetrains are under discussion, the idea is that there will be more OEMs since it will be easier to build a car based on an electric drivetrain compared to a combustion engine manual gear system drivetrain. And this seems to be true. This uh, seems to turn into, into reality. A uh, few, just to mention a few, um, the, the first I'd like to talk about is VinFast, a company from uh, Vietnam. It seems like they have enormous amounts of money. Um, they showed an almost complete fleet of vehicles, more than half a dozen cars ranging from big SUVs to mid-sized small SUVs, small city cars. And um, so they had this fully electric, complete fleet there. Some of them, some of the cars looked like advanced prototypes. Uh, others looked more like early foam block design studies. But it seems like there is a new player out there that uh, can deliver um, seriously. Second one um, um, is the Turkish company Talk. I will talk about them later in, in more detail, but they showed a beautiful uh, limousine, a sedan, with um, opposing doors. Um, very nice to see. Another one uh, is Electromechanica a company from Canada, they presented a three-wheeler, one-seater, a very small car, two, two wheels in the front, one in the back. And um, you, I, I was inside of the, one of these cars. You can sit there. It's, it has the, the, the volume, the shapes, uh, the, the comfort of a regular car. And even getting in and getting out is, is an exercise you can you can perform even with my with my size. And um, yeah, they they have this electric car that that goes uh, up to about eighty miles per hour, seventy miles per hour has a range of uh, one hundred miles. Uh, so very nice uh, vehicle that uh, may be used in uh, urban areas. So cool one. Uh, I really liked it. And then uh, just to mention one more, it's Indy EV, a company from Los Angeles, showing a mid-size SUV, uh, more like a show car prototype level, not even a prototype level, more a show car level. Um, interesting 
one of these examples where I say, okay, you can use uh, the existing platforms and uh, make pretty easy your own car out of this and, and, and bring it to the market much more easier than with combustion engines. Second trend is micromobility. That is one um, that, that is so obvious. Uh, you can see these stand-up scooters, the scooters you can sit on, e-bikes, um, all of that. Um, this this uh, inner urban micromobility, many different exhibitors, different concepts that they have, uh, different kinds of uh, sales and, and, and marketing uh, activities they do, different kinds of connectivity. So uh, pretty cool um, to see this. And uh, this is definitely a trend that uh, you should you should keep an eye on. The next one is software ecosystems. We are all aware that, that we have this uh, digitization trend, uh, the connectivity trend, all megatrends running, changing our lives uh, on, on, a, on a disruptive level. The complete networking. So there were, there were different companies showing um, different solutions on that one, on different levels. And uh, one, one example, Hyundai Mobis, the uh, Korean uh, automotive uh, first-year supplier, they showed a couple of micromobility devices um, like the Erector Mechanica, small autonomous autonomous devices. And uh, before entering the booth, you could uh, create your own digital avatar that was then running through the or moving in, in this digital environment that they built there on, on, on their screens. So um, software ecosystems, definitely a trend. The same uh, is with the charging infrastructure. Charging, charging electric vehicles is moving at the moment away from just put a wall box on the wall or just place a, start a charging station somewhere. It is moving on into smart AI-driven uh, infrastructure. It is about um, when to charge, where to charge, how to charge, how much to charge, um, all of that, plus that it is, um, yeah, it, it is a network that is built around this. In some cases, I cannot see serious use cases, but I definitely believe, yes, this, this is part of a future trend that we will have these connected uh, charging stations and uh, that, that the entire infrastructure will connect to get uh, additional services and, and more comfort out of the entire procedure. Then another one that I already saw two years ago is LIDAR sensors. That's basically like a radar sensor, but based on light. It seems like they're on the rise at the moment. They have a couple of advantages. They have a very high resolution, even over larger distances. So if you have an object 50, 60 meters away, you can still um, use a few centimeters resolution. You can get out of this. And uh, you have uh, 3D measurements and you also have 4D measurements. So the uh, fourth dimension here is the speed. So if you, if you detect an object, you can detect the location of the object, the shape, the form of the object, but also the speed of the object, which is one of the advantages that, that uh, LIDAR has. 
Disadvantages uh, are it's still pretty expensive and it is weather dependent. So if it's raining, um, you will have problems with your leader senses. My takeaway from this is uh, it will be a core part of um, sensors in cars, in ADAS-driven cars with uh, advanced, driver advanced driver assistance systems. Um, but it will not be the only sensor. So we will have groups of sensors um, like cameras and radar and leader combined, maybe ultrasonic. Uh, all those have advantages and disadvantages. And if uh, we want to go that path, uh, we will need to, to merge them and to use the information that they give to, to, to combine all the output that we get from them. And the latest, last, last one uh, on, on the trends that I see is a non-trend, is a trend I did not see, um, which makes me a bit sad because there is nothing new in automotive HMIs. There is one exception, the, the Quartz uh, Smart Surfaces. Um, I will talk about them later. But uh, all in all, still we have large displays. Some of them are one-piece displays from A-pillar to A-pillar. Others are like more fragmented, so that you have one display for for uh, the cluster instrument, another one for the infotainment, and maybe one for the passenger. Uh, maybe you have a second level display um, below the other one, but that that seems to be the trend at the moment. Put as many displays, as much display real estate as you can into a vehicle, and let's see what 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 happens afterwards. Some products, some companies, some uh, things that I found outstanding on, on uh, during this uh, CES show. The first one, Talk Auto. Um, Talk is a company from Turkey, a Turkish company run by a former Bosch top manager. They collected a couple of um, high potentials and many, many old uh, warriors out of the automotive industry to get this uh, company on the wheels, to get the cars on the wheels. They showed this uh, beautiful sedan with the uh, opposed doors and a um, large HMI display in it. The main idea of Talk is seeing the car as a knot in the Internet of Things. So it's part of, it's a rolling part of the Internet. So the entire philosophy is software driven the entire philosophy is community driven so if you if you drive a talk you can exchange with other drivers of that brand you can you can even exchange energy with them so if you're alone battery and somebody else with a with a full battery uh, with a with a talk car stops beside you you can get some energy from from him or her and it's all about networking, technical networking, business networking. It's about uh, user networking. So um, Booth staff told me they will have the car out there in two or three years from now. I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, because they see it in a different way, they have a different approach than many others of them. And uh, it seems like they have both uh, sufficient funding and professional experience collected together. The second one I would like to talk about is a BMW iX that was covered with a foil made out of e-ink technology. 
You will know e-ink uh, if you have an e-book reader. So these grayish displays uh, with, the, with the black letters on it where that have this super high contrast uh, independent from, from the illumination conditions. So if, you, if you're sitting in bright sunlight, you can read it. And if you're in darkness, you can still read it. One of the reasons, by the way, why I love my ebook reader, why I'm more or less gave up reading paper books, so I'm, I'm reading ebooks only. And um, yeah, you have the super high contrast. And what BMW did is they turned this technology to an, uh, into a flexible foil and stick that onto a top, uh, onto the surface, onto the outside of a car. And what they showed was more just like a artsy bit, like, I don't know, flying clouds or um, some shades going over the car. So nothing concrete. But my HMI brain started working right away when, when I saw this technology. So, I mean, we, we can use this as, as external HMIs, for example, um, the car communicating to pedestrians or bicycle drivers just by signaling hey i will stop at the traffic light i will stop at the pedestrian crossover so you can go it's safe to do so or it can be used as as big indicators i'll make a right turn now please be careful all of this uh, plus that it can be used as information for ride sharings so if, if a shuttle stops in front of me it says, yes, Peter, uh, it's your shuttle. We are taking this way. Enter and enter enter this one and get into it. Um, so, so there are use cases uh, and also use cases in uh, commercials. So if, if, I, if I walk on a street and uh, I see one of these cars and the car detects me, it says, hey, Dr. Peter, we know you are a sushi fan. If you turn left at the next junction, there is the best sushi place in town. And if you have used the promo code 1234, you will get 10%, whatever. You know, all this will be possible if you have the exterior of cars talking to the environment. And this e-ink technology could be um, a pretty cool uh, device to do so. Another highlight was um, the company from, from uh, Israel, from Tel Aviv, called RE. Um, they created an electric vehicle platform. Basically, it is the four corners of a car. So they, they have a wheel, um, they have braking systems, suspension, an electric engine in there. And they combine all this into one component. And if you take four of them, plus an electric uh, computing box and, and, and uh, data, trend, uh, data, data transmitting platform, then um, you have uh, the basics for an electric car. They partner with Magna on batteries and chassis so that you can get your skateboard, your platform customized to your uh, needs. So based on this platform, um, you can build a, a small people mover, you can build a mid-size SUV, whatever you want to. And, and um, I can see, I mean, we were not the only ones, but the most prominent ones with these skateboards, with these platforms, it will become possible that we go back to what we had 100 years ago, these so-called coaching coach businesses that you have um, a platform you buy and then you make your own um 
toppings on the on the um, you make your own uh, seats your own uh, uh, exteriors and interiors of the vehicle on top of an existing platform so I can foresee that that um, company fleets that uh, professional fleets um, that the delivery fleets will get uh, these platforms like for example the re-platform and build their own cars uh, on top of that for their specific use cases for branding for whatever is is, is possible with that yes and uh, another the the let's say only real hmi excitement the only exciting exhibit i saw on on uh, on hmis related to hmis to human machine interfaces was the smart services technology of a company called kurz they are based near nuremberg in, in germany and um, what what they did is they took a couple of uh, Swarovski uh, crystals, used them as hard keys, and then if you pressed one of these hard keys, the entire surface and the demonstrator was a small uh, um, dashboard. So the entire dashboard becomes touch sensitive, and then you can fine-tune things. Like, for example, what they had was uh, the volume, um, they had the light, the color of the light, the brightness of, of uh, the illumination of the piece. But, but you, can, you can basically tune everything with this. And so they have this uh, Swarovski uh, component elements uh, device uh, to pre-select and then to fine-tune. You can use the surface of, of the part you, you, you are touching. And they had different um, haptic, um, uh, different devices with different haptics. There, there was a smoother one, there was a rougher one. So very, very interesting technology. I really like it a lot. And my HMI brain is already working on how we can use that, what we can do with this. All right, um, at the end, um, I'm always thinking about which was the coolest booth on, on the entire show. And uh, this, this year it was a pretty easy decision because there was not too much comp uh, competition in this one. I mean, uh, the LG booth usually is in the um, uh, on, on the short list, but this year it was just empty, and they had a couple of wooden cubes there with QR codes on top, and then uh, you could you could scan these QR codes and learn about the exhibits that should have been there. And I mean, compared to what they usually have with these huge screen arrays with the, with the bent and curved screens and. I mean, that, that was a pretty poor appearance. Pretty much the same for, for Panasonic. Um, Sony, big disappointment. Sony is always a very cool booth. Um, the tons of products and, and, and packed with technologies and, and cool things. This year, they had two cars there and a couple of screens and a bit of PlayStation stuff. And all that uh, on, on a huge area they had there on, on many square feet. Definitely not, uh, not, not, not appealing. Anyhow, so the winner is coolest booth BMW again. So not, not, not the first time this year. Um, it's always pretty cool, but this year it was a clear no-brainer to to nominate them. They had this um, e-ink car in front, and inside uh, they showed their vision on one D, two D, three D, and four D, four D mobility of of the future 
interactive. Um, you could stand in front of huge screens and uh, move around and, and uh, interact with the screen content. Not that there was real technological or mobility or automotive content in this, but it was a beautiful piece of modern art. It was interactive. It was appealing. Yeah, and, and plus the fact that behind the booth um, there was a terrace and they had coffee, they served water and, and candy, they had uh, sofas there, they, you could sit there, you could meet people. I had a couple of business meetings there. Uh, also enjoyed sitting in the sun behind the booth. So it, it, was, it was a very convenient one and definitely due to the low competition, a no-brainer to, to nominate BMW to the best booth of the CES 2022. All right, to summarize this, um, the show had shrunk a lot. Um, it was far smaller than, than uh, before, but at the end of the day, it was worth being there for me. So, I mean, it was possible to see. It is possible to travel. It is possible to run a show like this. I mean, in a few weeks from now, we will know whether um, the um, corona regulations they had were sufficient or if the CES 2022 was a uh, super spreading event. So we will find out about this. But basically, for me, it was important to learn it is possible. Plus the fact um, that uh, I love to be at Las Vegas. I love the city and, and yeah, um, great, great, great to do the travel. The second point of the summary is the HMI innovations were low. Um, probably because some of the big players in that area were missing on the show. I mean, Conti is always having cool stuff, um, just like others, EF and, and uh, yeah, even Amazon and some of the automotive OEMs. Uh, Mercedes is always very active in, in, in the human machine interface area. They had not been present, so that was missing, painfully missing. And the third one is, um, what about next year? The uh, date for 2023 is blocked in my calendar. I hope that uh, we will have, uh, again, a live event that we will meet at Las Vegas. My personal belief is it will take at least two or three years to return back to the level of 2020. Um, so let, let's, uh, let, let, I will make a statement here. Uh, so in 2025, uh, we will be back on the level of 2020. Until then, uh, we will have hybrid events with lower on-site presence, both of both of exhibitors and of visitors. If you enjoyed the Human Technology Podcast, why not recommending it to a couple of persons in your network? The more people listen to it, the more people will get my messages, the more people get the chance to, to get into my thoughts and my way of thinking. And a nice side effect is uh, the more people listen to it, uh, the higher it will be ranked on the respective platforms. And the even more people have the chance to listen to the Human Technology Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an unknown exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and 
beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email under podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.